0: this is the e-commerce leader a show just for you the owner of a thriving online business in this bite-sized episode jason and kyle share a practical tip that every e-commerce leader should know let's jump in
1: so we're continuing on our 32 habits of e-commerce rainmakers and uh so we're pumped about the opportunity to continue talking about this fun topic i believe we're on session 10 Man. And we have one left out of out of uh, you know the series after this. So right. this is um, the last six of our topics. So we'll do three today. We'll do three next week, and then I don't know. Then this turns into a book and becomes a New York Times bestseller. Or that,
0: that's that's how that process works, right? We we shoot these, turn it into a book, and something. instantly are on CNBC.
1: Something that be something. that would be pretty that, cool we'll to have you some type of course outcome from it a book or
0: you yes. know something we'll see yeah it'll be cool and i can't believe we're on session 10. Uh, i feel like this we just got started i and, know right so, time flies when you're a rainmaker apparently or making rain or however we however <laughs> ta- we cook this together
1: <laughs> we're talking about being a or, rainmaker. talking
0: about being rainmakers or or you know whatever however that works i'm not really we're... sure but all i know is that we continue to move through the process
1: you're a rainmaker, bro. So we're we're definitely not just talking about it. We're living it, right?
0: We are, in fact, living it for sure. And I was looking at my list of uh, fun and exciting things that I'm working on. And I was like, wow, there's quite a bit of amazing things happening as uh, all my brands are pushing further and further. Yeah. And just moving, moving through, I was just looking at like growth numbers and I'm up 150% over last year with one of the brands so, so year to date so we're uh rocking top, and rolling top
1: line growth yeah,
0: yeah top that's owner. top line growth and so and part of that whole strategy is also like as we growing top line i'm like okay how are we going to lower expenses and, and increase net profitability Make and cash flow so, yeah. I, I little hack a little change in our business before we jump into it too is Ooh, uh we, we yeah. started switching somehow we we're doing our shipping and we're probably going to save at least maybe a half to two thirds on shipping across um all of our all of our product lines what's
1: the i mean can you give like a one or two minute like
0: right yeah yeah so we were yeah. we were basically individually shipping and someone who someone who has way more experience in shipping probably already knew this, but you don't know until you don't know yeah uh so like we were shipping all of our individual uh orders into by themselves like we would just say, okay this order is done we write the check to the freight forwarder. They put it on the boat. They shipped it out.
1: Now you're talking about your shipping from China to right, your yeah. FBA We're warehouses.
0: Products from our manufacturers to our warehouse in the United States. So it's okay. just coming from China okay. and the freight. And what we ended up realizing is if we partnered and got our own container, uh, and then we just ended up partnering with some other people who also needed to do shipments at that point. Yeah, we could then also bundle together some of our shipments. So now we're we have enough of a cadence and rhythm in our business to actually start to put orders at the same time. So now we have multiple SKUs with multiple orders that we're combining into one uh, one shipment. And so instead of paying individually for each shipment. We're now combining them together and lowering the cost. Uh, so how did you
1: find your collaborative partners to fill the container? Is it with your other business or is it outside your businesses? No, they were outside the business. It's just a straight networking.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't underestimate the power of networking and talking to people and finding out what's working. And then that's how that whole thing got connected. And, and then we're also connected with someone Huge. as part of this. It's a freight forwarding company that works specifically with Amazon sellers. So they're kind of pooling that together. So they and, know how to help you.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: And they're going to uh, store, I believe, on uh, warehouse, all of our products at no additional cost. So we can actually ship stuff over to their warehouse and, and they'll they'll hold it for us until wow. we send it into Amazon, which will also be
1: so, our fees as well. Ballpark, what's that mean for your business? You want to say a number, like what you think it would mean on uh, an annual basis? or Sure, I think we'll yeah. save. Um, let me spitball this. I think yeah. we'll save at least fifty to sixty thousand dollars, dude. Yeah, right to the bottom line, dude. Right
0: to the bottom line. Yeah, no, I was when, when I realized it, pocket. and I was like doing the, doing the math. I was like, uh, oh, wow, wow you are gonna save a bunch of money doing it. this Thumbs way. up
1: on saving fifty thousand dollars of expenses. Exactly. If you're watching this uh, on Facebook, then. Give Kyle the thumbs up for the tip too, which is an awesome tip. People should be paying you money for that tip, dude. It it was, it was pretty sweet. I was, and I mean,
0: it's just great because you can sort of pre-buy your space um, going through and doing the way we're doing it too. So we're sort of pre-buying our shipping space and we know how much um, we're going to take and sort of, sort of the cubic uh, meters that we're going to need and then, it, pre-buying that, pre-paying for it, and then whenever we need it, we yeah. just get it scheduled in and slot it into that spot, and off it goes. And I mean, obviously, you still have the flexibility if there's an emergency or you need to do something quick, you can still, you know, do air or, or do an immediate but um hopefully but for
1: your strategically planned long term strategically
0: planned we're working through the system we have a pretty good idea of when we need to you know put in orders and how long it's going to take in that whole process so yeah no i'm i was pretty happy
1: see the, i mean this is the, the these are the kind of changes that you can make over time if you start to learn how what you're doing that really i mean that goes straight to the bottom line that's improving your margin shipping costs is a fundamental line item expense, right? For your cost of goods related expenses. And, uh, so that's huge. I mean, that's, that's really, really cool, man. Yeah. Congrats on that. That's, that's awesome. Thanks. Okay. I got, I got a good story for us too. That's, uh, uh, some money making tip tippery. Um, but I'll, I'll weave it into our, you know, three habits for today. So Perfect. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, three habits. So we're, let's get into it. So the three habits we want to talk about today, um, and is uh, I think three really interesting ones. Now we're in the back half, the last half of our 32 habits of e-commerce rainmakers. And so this whole section is all about scaling and about how to get your business to scale. The tip you just shared, dude, I mean, that's, I mean, you could spend, you could spend 50,000, think about this. Okay, before I say the first thing, but just as a reflection of what you just shared, you could spend $50,000 a year on advertising starting now, and be at the exact same expense structure situation, but reap the benefits of the fifty thousand dollars a year of advertising. Yeah. I think about that. It's like literally free money. Yeah. Or you could just dine out, take Cody out to dinner a lot more yep. this year. Do whatever. Yep. There you go. It's fantastic. Yes, it's
0: exactly you can then yeah. start to leverage to turn on turn up or pull other marketing levers to yep. like do more. So
1: Okay. All right. So let, but let's jump into the, the 32 habits. So the first one I wanted to mention is test new marketing methods continuously. So it's all about scale and testing new marketing methods continuously is, uh, you know, one of the central habits that e-commerce rainmakers just have baked into their DNA. And um, I heard somebody say um, recently, if you're in business, you're in the marketing business. Yep. And there's just no way around it. You have to learn the marketing trade skills, the marketing tactics that are current, mm-hmm. the marketing tap- tactics that are coming down the technology pipeline that haven't been tried yet. And you've just got to continuously try new things. And it can be, you've got to have the mental and emotional energy. You've got to have the financial resources to say, hey, I'm going to spend a certain amount of money on this new idea yeah. and just continuously churn through, um, we started a new test for uh, related to our email marketing system two weeks ago. We started on the eighth. And uh, in the last two weeks, it has made us a new amount of income of 4700 bucks. Nice. Just over $4,700. And um, so it's just been, it's one of those things where I, I heard about the strategy. I knew we weren't doing it, obviously. <laughs> And then serendipity occurred and I got a, a sales call from somebody who's in that industry and said, Hey, you know, we think we've got an opportunity to, you know, show you a tool. Would you like to learn about this tool? And, um, went through their process and, uh, I'm happy to share details. You want to hear the details? Yeah. So it's in the email marketing, uh, you know, universe. And basically there's, um, you know, most email uh, systems do a welcome series, right? Welcome Mm -hmm. series. And then, um, but what you can do um, if you have your terms and conditions set up properly and your uh, general data protection (laughs) responsibility documents, GDPR for the European Union people, stuff coordinated, you can basically um, have people's permission (laughs) properly done to circle back with them and offer them abandoned cart emails, so what Mm -hmm. they left in their cart that they didn't buy, Mm -hmm. abandoned search, um, abandoned product, and Mm -hmm. abandoned category. If on Shopify, those four are readily available in Shopify structures. And uh, then have email campaigns that automatically send those out to people. And so uh, I knew we weren't doing that. I was interested in whether that would work or not. So many top e-commerce companies are doing it. Um, obviously, um, you know, it's something to think through. So uh, the company we found that uh, reached out to us, we set up the test um, and their math is kind of interesting. They basically said, look, we will guarantee you 10 X what you pay us. And if we don't get 10 X the result, you just discount what you pay us every month till, till it's 10 X. So I was like now, okay. And the, and the amount was 299 bucks a month. So, you know, I'm sort of a cheapskate, you know? So if I hear about a marketing system and it's like, well, it's a uh, 1200 bucks a month or 1800 bucks a month, generally speaking, I won't test that. But so there's sort of this you know, range that most people are comfortable with. And so in this case, it was 299 bucks and they, they guarantee a 10 X outcome. Yes. So 2,900 bucks a month of uh, net new money. Well, I've had it running for two weeks and it's made me $4,700. And I can see it all. I can see the conversions. I can see the exact transactions. I know it's tagged properly with, you know, their, uh, you know, universal tracking code stuff, uh, you know, the analytics. And um, it's working. And and honestly, just to think about the fact that three weeks ago, we didn't have that. Now right. we have. And so we're testing it. Now, of course... Just as a side note, as it relates to this little experiment, the other thing that I was very, very interested in was what our customers would say to us. Mm -hmm. How many negative comments would we get through customer service? How many positive comments, if any? Guess how the outcome has gone. We have customers thanking us
0: for for
1: sending these emails. Right. I'm like, what? We literally have had, you know, we've had two, one strong complaint and one, like, I don't understand what's happening, kind of complaint. But, um, but we've had people email saying, I couldn't remember what pattern I had looked at. Thank you so much for following up and sending me the email. Multiple comments like that. So anyway, so yeah. that's testing testing a right. new thing. Uh, you got you to gotta be testing a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. Where's your mind at as it relates to testing new things these days? You got anything in the hopper yeah. in your uh, businesses that you're testing?
0: For sure. For sure. So
1: I, I look at our
0: overall marketing budget. I I try to aim for about 10%. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get a little bit more aggressive if I, uh, it depends on the time of the year. Like we're coming into the prime window uh, for Amazon sellers, So I'll be more aggressive during prime. I'll be more aggressive during Q4, Uh, but generally it's 10%. So then I also look at marketing budget and I, and I say out of that 10%, I also want to save 10% to test on new things. So oh, that's, that's kind of the approach that yeah. I take. So I, I actually cool. carve out yeah, cool. carve out a piece of the marketing budget and said, okay, I'm setting aside this piece of marketing budget to test. And it could be I'm testing brand new marketing um, channels, or mm-hmm. maybe I'm testing new twists on marketing channels. So maybe yeah. I want to run a particular campaign for a particular product and I, I'm, in, I'm just going to test it with a different type of funnel. Maybe I'm going to do like a buy one, get one free. I don't know. Like I'm just going to use that for experimental purposes and whatever I can kind of come up with to try and see if it'll, it'll work well. So that's kind of the approach that I would, that I would have for it. I, I'm really interested in trying to do uh, more, uh, more thought through and higher bundled upsell packages across mm-hmm. shop Shopify and try okay. to drive direct traffic to that. Um, it's mm-hmm. sort of the next, uh, idea for me. I mean, okay. we're constantly still running like contests yeah. and stuff as part of our marketing funnel as well. Can I,
1: can I put you on the spot for one? Sure. I know you were testing or are testing continue to work on uh, Google retail. Yeah. Yeah. You still working through that testing still, process. Still testing. Like, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely still in process. It's been interesting too, because I will get impressions. And then um, I'll get some clicks, but I haven't got the number of impressions yet that I would like to get. And it okay. could be, a, it's still probably a keyword issue.
1: Yeah. So I'm you part of that If, you're, if you're listening and you're not familiar, when you go to Google and you search, um, you know, you're probably obviously very, very familiar with the organic search results that are on the page, search engine results page ranking. Right. And you generally know that there's organic listings that are based on algorithm, you know, quality content. And then there's paid ads, depending on what the latest, what Google is doing, the latest either right-hand side or top or bottom. But then they're also for specific keywords that are shopping related. They have a thing called Google Retail. Is that Google Shopping or Google Retail? Google Shopping ads. And it's a carousel style ad that's at the top of the search engine results page. You've probably seen this if you search for coffee makers or something like that. And it will position a set of images and click right through and it tells you the store they're on so that's called google retail you as an advertiser you have to know what you're doing to get that all set up and so kyle did training on that for our inner circle uh walked us all through that and then he's testing it he's going to come back and i'll give, give you my it's this. still
0: definitely yeah. in testing phase like i sure. still i'm still spending money in a, not a yeah. massive amount it's a pretty small budget because yeah. i probably i'm probably dedicating like maybe two or three percent of my testing budget to that sure. pretty yeah. small but what I'm the, trying to master now is how do I increase my impressions mm-hmm. using um, the, the Google shopping ads. And that's yeah. going to be driven by, obviously, your click-throughs are going to be driven by your, your images, driven by your price. Yeah. I need, I'm going to test the next sort of test for that is also free shipping. I'm going to try yeah. a free shipping offer. So there's a lot of different things you're trying to at least put together to make it work to actually drive a conversion for that. So
1: so if you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, okay, test new marketing methods constantly, how do you choose what to test, right? Mm-hmm. So let me just give a few of my personal thoughts and ideas on this, and then I'd love to hear yours as well, Kyle. So, sure. you know, first of all, um, you know, you've got to stay current with the marketing literature, and read up on what other e-commerce companies are doing and even just browse other e-commerce sites and see how they treat you. Yeah. And as you observe their treatment of you as a browser or a customer, look to see the technology involved and start to learn what it means, the terminology, that kind of thing. And so that's the, those are the pieces you want to start to look at. And, and I would in my opinion, look to see what the top e-commerce people are doing mm-hmm. and modeling um, across a good section of the marketplace. Yep. Um, related to your e-commerce business. Now here's, and, and, but he, so here's the, the division that I would draw, and the word of caution I would add: it's super easy to find shiny object syndrome seller people, internet marketers who are trying to pawn a new training for this, a new training for that constantly. Frequently, they'll say it's the newest, coolest thing since you know sliced bread. Um, but frequently, that's in niche industries or spaces that don't make sense for you, for your Shopify store, for your e-commerce experience. So you really want to hone in on is, is what I'm hearing if I see a shiny object directly relevant to my category or industry and how I'm selling, the platform I sell on and the way in which my customers are Could be or would be treated. And if there's a big gap there, then you say, well, that might be cool for Kindle booksellers, but it's not cool for me because I don't, you know, it's a different thing. And really start to think through, okay, how do I prioritize my tests based on what I see other companies doing? And a lot of times, this is kind of how I look at it. A lot of times, big companies are doing stuff that the little guys will be like, well, I don't do that. And it's not the bleeding edge of new technology stuff. It's the real common sense stuff. Like, are you blogging three times a week? Oh, I, I don't know. Well, you might test that. <laughs> you know? Do you have an email marketing system? No. Well, you might test. I mean, it's a, you know, some of this is remedial. You know, it's like just catch up and do the stuff that everyone knows works. Yep. And so if you're just starting out, don't go get some crazy rocket gizmo type idea. Look at the basics. Um, and and think through how to prioritize testing those and building a system in support of those anyway that's my those are my thoughts yeah. where do you no, go I, I agree I, and I think in order to test anything. Uh, it requires
0: some some thought and some planning and yeah. some scheduling. So right. one way to eliminate distractions is have a, test, a testing schedule in place for new things, right? So look at your calendar and the budget you have set aside to test new uh, methodologies or channels and just say, okay, I'm laying this out. Here's what I want to test this month. Here's yep. what I want to test this month or even this two weeks, depending on how the the timeframe is you think you're going to need to get yep. actionable data off of. And just follow your plan, yep. they, and then you're not distracted. Like you might see something over yep. here that is like, "Ooh, that looks really, really cool." Well, guess what? You already have a scheduled plan in place. Yep. You can take that thing, you can add it if it makes sense to your plan, but just follow your plan, and that helps eliminate the distractions. So you
1: just you you thing. just mentioned our second habit we want to talk about, which is eliminate distractions.
0: Boom. Yes. What right. A transition.
1: So, exactly, because you you want to be testing. But then you also want to think through, well, what, what, is, what is it that I'm being highly distracted by? Right. And, and so totally to your point, 100% agree. So this is another habit. And you know, you always hear about the real rainmakers in an industry. And generally, you'll find articles about their rigor in terms of their scheduling yep. and their rigor in terms of their focus. They, they are machines at eliminating waste and distraction from their life. And uh, so this is a huge part of it. And so that so that whole prioritization piece back to habit number, the, the first one we're talking about, which is testing new marketing. It is you've got to have bandwidth to do that and to think through, OK, what's my top list without having so much free time? like, hey, uh, I'm on the Internet all day long looking at new ideas yeah. and I never implement any of them because they all I'm testing. I'm thinking about testing them all, I'm testing all of them in my mind. Um, yeah. So, right. so this is the eliminating distractions is a tough one. Um, and, uh, it's, it's very, very meaningful to do. And and I would say, and we already have a habit we already talked about as it relates to efficiency, but this is along those lines. Um, it's efficiency of your focus and really your ability to say, no, I'm, I'm going to put away these, these other ideas, focus on, uh, you know, my tests and my known winning systems and scale those up yeah so that's eliminate distractions second habit we want to talk about um other thoughts on like biggest the biggest distractions to be eliminated or any thoughts along those lines
0: i think there are there are annoying distractions right that you'll get from people trying to sell you stuff or services or whatever but then there's also distractions in your business that I think you have to address as, as the business owner and as the entrepreneur. Like what? Like what I mean is like making making a list of the things in your business that you are doing right now uh, and organizing them by sort of uh, maybe job description or type or hat that you're wearing in your business and making the, those those line items and then walking through those pretty regularly and the tasks that you're doing and doing one of three things, you're either going to eliminate that and just decide you are not going to do it. You're you are quitting this particular task mm-hmm. in your life or in your business, depending on whatever you're going to optimize, right? You're just going to, I'm getting rid of it. I'm, I'm ending doing that process. Or yeah. you decide that you are going to uh, outsource it. So uh-huh. you decide you're going to go reach out to somebody in, who's an expert that you've vetted and used. And you're like, I'm going to outsource that task or you're going to delegate that task to a team member. So you're either going to eliminate, outsource, or delegate, and thereby eliminating distractions, allowing you yep. as the entrepreneur to focus on the, the most important things in your business that are going to allow you to scale. Yep. And as you begin to build this discipline into your thinking and your planning and, and executing on it, you're going to realize that distractions start to become more, less and less of a burden internally in your business because you have a process in place to how to optimize constantly. Yeah. It's a constant state of optimization. Yeah. And you can do this for your business. You do this for your own personal life. Like, it, it, it's both liberating and terrifying with you actually sit down and write out every five minutes. Like, I mean, this is, it, 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 it's really insightful. Have you done that?
1: Have you done no,
0: that? I actually someone oh. someone just uh, challenged me to do this. Um, yeah. The other day, he's like, "Okay, if you write down every five minutes, like on a five-minute schedule, what
1: you're doing?" Well, this is Elon Musk's calendar system, right? He's this, this is what he does.
0: He's five every minutes. five minutes. But but I mean, he's already probably he's got it on lockdown. I mean, he yeah. already knows what is five. But I'm talking about just from a personal standpoint and yeah. identify the areas and, t- and points in your in your schedule for like two or three days. Just just track it. And see where you're wasting time, whether there's yeah. waste, where there's uh, not optimized uh, time being spent. And you can obviously you can have breaks and downtimes and stuff like that. But it's going to be much more impactful for you to kind of build those in intentionally, yeah. than opposed to being just like, "Ooh, I'm so like wiped out from this this stuff because I've been working too hard for too long," and then it yeah. takes you so much longer to get back into it. The other thing that's important about distractions too, is it, the amount of time and focus it takes you to kind of, if so, for example, you're, you see your email, like, bing, your email is going off on your phone. And then you're like, oh, what, what was that email? And then you go to look yeah. at it. And then you have to, like, reorient your mind to go back doing what you're doing. Those yeah. little distractions add up quickly over yeah. the course of the day yeah. and kind of stealing your focus. Yeah. And so it, being, being part of that elimination process and documenting that allows you to um, get much more intentional. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, so when we talk about how this relates to scaling a business, it's really about laser beam focused. Yep. Right. It's really about eliminate so that you can add all that time and energy and life kind of emotion to your top, uh, items that you know will scale. Right. Um, and you know, so I mean, that's the key part to, of it to me is eliminate distractions. Okay. So that's a, so we've got test new marketing methods continuously. Eliminate distractions. And then the third one is similar. And it tie, these all tie together, which some interesting interplay between the, the three of them. The third one is refuse almost every new idea. And I got a provocative email from the most provocative email writer, in my opinion, which is Frank Kern, the other day. And a video he made that I I was fascinated by. It captured my attention and it made me really stop and think and his video, I don't know if you saw it or not, but his video was the two most dangerous words in any business. And I was like, okay, what are the two most dangerous words in any business? And then he said the two most dangerous words in in any business are new and next. And he went on to explain that as an entrepreneur, we frequently do a decent job with stuff and get some traction. We get some sales, we get some stuff going. We end up finding the breakthrough and making our, you know, first 500 bucks on Amazon as an FBA seller or whatever, whatever, whatever. And we're in the e-commerce business. And then he said, you know, that's the, the most dangerous space to be in is when you are kind of on a sugar high. Yeah. Getting something going and you kind of think you got all that. You've got it figured out. You got a little momentum going. And then you have, of course, what all entrepreneurs have, which is this constant stream of new ideas. And he said, you know, the new ideas and the next idea, it'll kill you because what you constantly do is, and this is the phrase he mentioned that I think is super powerful. And it really goes against a lot of the guru advice. Mm -hmm. His um, phrase he used was, you'll end up with a whole collection of very small projects. And very small revenue streams, and you end up with multiple streams of meaningless income. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, and I was I like, have multiple
0: trickles Ooh. of income.
1: <laughs> <laughs> multiple trickles of income is not the answer. No. And he nailed it, man. Like with his commentary, is like this is this is not a good approach. And there's so many people who are like, oh, I, I heard I can do this. And, and my latest training I saw was this and then this. And you, you think in your mind, well, this is OK, because people said right. get multiple streams of income. Yep. You know, uh, a lot of people said that uh, Jack Canfield's, you know, book a long time ago is multiple streams of income. And a lot of people use that phraseology and um, Frank's commentary, I think, is 100 percent right. I've been yeah. selling the same thing for 10 years almost now just, just, you know, right at 10 years. Um, and that's called a long obedience in the same direction. And so I loved his warning and his, his call to entrepreneurs to scale something and his, his replacement word. So he said, don't, he said, don't use new and don't use next. He said, the replacement word, what you need to focus on is best. Yeah. What is it. your best product? Who is your best customer? What is your best offer? You know, what is your best process? Like your, your change that you talked about at the beginning of this video is your, your best shipping process. Dude, $50,000 on the table right there. You could have wasted your time screwing around with some other new idea yeah. and not had the mental and emotional energy to figure out your shipping system. Yep. And so this refusal of almost every new idea I think is really super important. Uh, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are my famous, like I'm a fanboy of their work. And you know what um, they're famous for is what Warren Buffett says is Charlie says no to every idea. Almost every single idea is like, no, yeah, not good enough. And he even describes and says, look, anything you're currently doing is the minimum bar before it's got to be better than what you're currently doing or you just say no to it. And you, yeah. so all of us have to think through this where and it's a challenge, man, because as entrepreneurs, we want to say yes, because it's our idea. It's our we yeah. we dream these dreams that are so powerful. They move us to action. Yep. But then we realize, wait, 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 wait. Is this integrated? Is it strategic? Does it help my core business? And am I innovating in an interesting a new way in a system that helps me grow and scale or is it out in left field you know completely different ball game completely different field you know if you're in Seattle and you go to Safeco Field where the Mariners play if you go far enough you're into you're into the CenturyLink Field where the Seahawks play that's a totally different stadium different style too it's across different the street style of uh, sport exactly and so you got to think through how do you, how do you absolutely become laser beamed focused and disciplined on, you know, saying no, um, and getting real good at shutting yourself down when you have these harebrained ideas. And I'm speaking to myself because oh, I, yeah. I'm doing literally in my mind. I'm thinking about an idea that I want to do that I'm debating right now. And cause I'm, you know, we all do this. We have these right. constant ideas. What are your thoughts on? Uh, the- I, I think
0: it's, I think it's incredibly powerful. You, you have to build in, I think, uh, a system of governors for yourself in essence, right? Like you have to have a network and a a framework. And this goes back to the coaching and mentoring piece too. And just to tie that back together, because a good coach or mentor is going to remind you of the vision and the goal that you have and that you've set forth. And when you say, Hey, I got this great idea. They're going to be like, really? How great of an idea is it really? Let's yeah. do the comparison. And I yeah. love uh, what you brought up, what Charlie Munger is talking about. He's like, what you're doing now is the current bar. Is what you're doing now, and this new idea, are you going to yeah. get a 10X return on your yeah. bar? Like, I mean, what, what is the sort of the measurement in, in, in relationship to what you're currently doing? Because there's always opportunity costs. Yep, right? exactly. There's always going to be a cost of your time and your energy. And what are you going to have to give up in order to to make this new idea? fly because you know we constantly are guilty of underestimating what we can do in a short period of time yeah i'm sorry overestimating what we can do in a short period of time but underestimating what we can do over a long period of time of sustained focus and energy and i think it's the short-term glimmer of a new idea that uh it gets us excited when um reality we need to step back and be like are we appropriately using our time and energy to kind of scale um what's working
1: yeah i totally agree and i've reflected on this in my own with examining my own dysfunction in this area i frequently thought about the fact that what i think i'm doing when i'm creating a new idea is satisfying my, my creativity with um what you might call easy, easy work right. when the harder work is, for example, back to your example again, go into your existing business mm-hmm. and think through how do you create innovation, change, and improvement in that existing system? Because generally speaking, once you get a business going and you've got a system in place for income generation, yep. it becomes hard to find new twists to unlock right. growth. Yeah. That, that's harder work than just brainstorming a new harebrained idea that you've never tested and you never know if it'll work or not. Right, right, yeah. Probably won't work, but you might spend a lot of time dreaming about it, thinking about it, buying some new course, watching the videos, whereas it's really painful to sit there and think about shipping expenses. You know? yeah. And so to me, I think that's what, I, that is an easy out for me mm-hmm. in terms of plowing my energy into scaling existing business um, which it feels hard and painful and, and challenging. And, and so I think that's what I do. I think that's why I dream up new stuff a lot is as an escape hatch to get mm-hmm. out of the pressure cooker. Yeah. And, you know, that's something to think about for all of us. Yeah. No,
0: for sure. And it's it's yeah. fun coming up with the brand name yeah. and a logo and taglines yeah. and brand store. I mean, that's yeah. fun stuff. So. Yeah. And, and, and it's creative and fun but then you're yeah. like oh I actually have to turn this brand into you know something that makes a significant amount of money yeah. for it to be worthwhile. I mean that's a lot harder of a scenario. Yeah. To nail. Now I think you I think you nailed it. I think it it comes down to uh defining what you count as uh fun and a good time. Like you know, it may not be fun to you know, uncover shipping cost savings or all that kind of stuff because yeah. you're like, I'm an entrepreneur, not an accountant. I don't want to crunch numbers and do that stuff. But yeah. <laughs> if you twist your mind, you're thinking a little bit and you say, you know what, though? This is super exciting because I'm making my business better yep. Yep. and that can sort of fuel my excitement. Then that little change in your thinking can help you kind of be more yeah. likely to dig into the the not so fun stuff on occasion.
1: Yeah. And obviously the thing that actually does like what you're describing, what entices you into that hard work in a business system that's growing is the realization that a lot of those tweaks and changes go directly to bottom line. Yep. Um, You know, we grew our net income last year by over 60% because we made changes in our business that were, I mean, we, we did work like what you're describing. Yeah. And when you realize, whoa, you know, um, big door swing on little hinges. And when you yeah. realize that you can actually affect a big number, if you figure out these changes, it's capt. it can be captivating. So there's, there's a reason to go into the hard work, into the pressure yeah. cooker and think to yourself, okay, I, I can improve this already working well, working system. If I'm creative in this way, forget the distractions of simple creativity uh, that are just a, a time waste. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah. I love these. Uh, the, so the test new marketing methods continuously, eliminate distractions, and refuse almost every new idea. There's some contradiction in there, right? I mean, you've there got is, that yeah. balance between how do you test new ideas if you're refusing almost every idea. But, again, we've talked sort of about how to do that, prioritize, go yeah. for the good ideas, low-hanging fruit, that kind of thing.
0: So. I, I think it's also important to, to realize is that embracing a new idea and launching a new business or a new product or a new brand or new is much different than testing uh, a, a new marketing yeah. technique or trying yeah. a new marketing message or something, because it's a small right. testable yeah. self-contained uh, kind of activity as yeah. opposed to launching something brand new. That's completely different, that's right? right? So if you make the first one actually a test, Like, this is going to run for two weeks. I need to have these components into it. This is what I'm going to say is is the ROI I'm looking for on this test. And I'm going to run this, and it's very self-contained. You're protecting yourself from sort of running out there full bore, buying the $8,000 program, and spending $20,000 on on ad spend. Because that's not a test. That's going all in selling the farm and like yeah. trying to own something. And that's not the, that's not the approach. It is so, definitely testable.
1: Yeah. So what you're describing, what, what I like to ask people, like even, and I ask again, I, I'll, I try all this stuff on myself because, and then I, but then as I start to explain to other people, especially with our inner circle students and our one-on-one coaching students, one of the questions I always like to ask as it relates to these that I think helps clarify the difference between testing new marketing ideas and refusing almost every new idea um, what if it works? Yep. What's your life going to be like in a year or two, if it actually works now, if you, you know, that's where it's like, Oh, well, what do you mean by if it works? I mean, if it really works, what if it turns into a high six or seven figure business? Well, uh, oh, you mean now I, now I got two completely disparate things, right? right? So, but if, it, if a new marketing methodology works for your core business, you're like, woohoo, we got new income, we got, you know, maybe a better or, you know, reduced expense or a better mm-hmm. impacting marketing system for our core business. That's great. Yep. But if a, if a new shiny object idea that's in a completely different direction works, you're talking about building a whole different business. Yeah. You know, like, well, I want to do merch, for example. Right. Well, okay. Well, what if you sell a million dollars of T-shirts? What, what will that look like? Yeah. Oh, well, that's very different than my pet store that I currently run, right? It's like, right, right okay, exactly. So, exactly. So these are, I think that's the the fundamental question is thinking through, okay, positive outcome. Yep. And because you, you kind of want to do that, right? You want to go into everything thinking, yeah, it, it probably won't work, but what if it did work? What if it works? Yeah. And, and then asking, what would my life look like? What would my team look like? What would my time and energy look like? if yep. if it worked um, yeah i
0: mean an example of that is so when we we have our the art supply company lead art supply okay. and then you know a year and a half ago we had this crazy harebrained idea that why don't we launch this whole like a longboard uh bearing deal okay. in hindsight it was not a great idea how however okay and the only reason i say that and, and uh, let me let me be clear like
1: uh, you've this, never told me this before so this no, is new information no, to me no, okay keep
0: this going. this beautiful little product is highly profitable and makes it's going to do it's yeah. going to do six figures this year yeah. by itself that little product is going to do six figures and it's a great product and it's really profitable and I'm glad that we ended up doing it but in hindsight if this today me was talking to the idea back there me I would say wait a second you're going to spend a lot of time yeah. a lot of money and a lot of energy on a different business that has no direct correlation to the business that you've already are running you can't really cross-sell your, uh, your 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 customers they're just they're just totally different spaces I would have taken pause because you'd have been like, oh, wow, you're right. I'm now – I have to basically take my time, my money, my energy and split it into two different businesses. If I would have just taken the same amount of time and energy and poured it into the art supply company, I think we would have been even further along than the growth that we've had so far. Now, is it working? Yeah. I mean the brand's up and running. The product is working. People love it. It's a great product. And it's finally starting to take a life of its own and starting to do that. But it's still double the work. It's still running yeah. two separate businesses at the yeah. exact same time from yeah. like scratch, like yeah. ground up, zero brand, zero, yeah. uh, and it's a lot of work. And I would go back to my past self, yeah, maybe like a year and a half ago, and say, "Hold up, what are you doing? This isn't smart. This this is this is going off on a new idea before you are not hitting the the bare minimum idea that you wanted to do." So I'm literally like. When we talk about these concepts, we speak from the mistakes that we've made. Now, will this brand be a big, big brand? I think this brand is going to be great, and I look forward to selling it eventually for a lot of money, but... In the meantime, looking back, I, I would I look like,
1: forward to selling this business.
0: <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, like, I think it'll be great and I look forward to, to selling it in the future. And but if you're for, in, the, in the market for a business- If you oh want to God. buy one, I, this one, this one is not for sale yet, but it will oh, be yeah. um, here uh, as, it, as it gets yeah. to the, the right number for sure. Um, so make me an offer. We can talk offline. Um, however, I, don't, I would not have done it with the experience that I have now, just knowing what I know and what it takes to continue to see scale. That yeah. that was the moral of the story. So okay. there's a, there's a difference between refusing every, yeah. uh, this is an idea that should have been refused, didn't learning from it, growing from it, going to yeah. make it a, a success. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a great brand and, and it's going to be a big yeah. company, but I wouldn't right. have done it. Yeah. In
1: yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? And uh, you know, to me, the, the cautionary example in this, in this uh, space is Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is so, so, so amazing genius at creating very, very different businesses. Yeah. Virgin Galactic, I guess, is sort of tied to his, uh, you know, airplane company. But how in the world does that relate to a mobile phone company? You know, I mean, but but he's made them all work, so it makes other people think. Well, I could have businesses like in any kind of category. I just have it all, man. Yeah. But I think uh, much much smarter. Um. You know, and, and Elon Musk, you can kind of get that same lesson to, you know, to learn from as well. Challenge is, and with no disrespect to you, and I'm saying it to myself, I'm no Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. I am no Richard Branson. you know? And so, so, and because we just don't even have the resources like that they have, I mean, you don't have $50 million to put into a new business. If, if you did, it might be different, but, but we don't. And so I think you got to think through examples where people are very, very tightly integrated in what they work on. And this is, I mean, it's a hard lesson. Um, It's interesting to hear you describe that because I've never heard you articulate those comments before. So, but I've thought these, I've had these questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, as you were sort of, we were walking through this process, I've actually been thinking about it much more so in the last probably like two or three weeks, just because, um, I mean, starting one business is a lot of work. Starting two businesses is double the work. Um, So, and, and you're thinking, and so that's been in the back of my head and we start thinking about refusing new ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. It should have been that should, I didn't know. I mean you don't know what you yeah. don't know. And you, you learn, you, right? Yeah. You you don't you know, learn the other thing that you it's important that you mentioned was you look at Richard Branson and the, the multitude of companies he has under that. But it's funny because you, you use the iceberg principle when you talk about brand, like the invisible and invisible. Yeah. You use the same thing about business processes and and systems and personnel that are in place you look at the richard branson iceberg and you see him and you see all these businesses and you're like oh look at all the stuff he has but what we don't see under the surface is the team of people that he's built up and trained and is really kind of getting them positioned to sort of launch the next business out of there and it's almost like a business incubator his whole organization so he's constantly bringing in very highly talented people training them and then getting them ready to launch with a new idea and then giving them the money to go do that process so that stuff you don't get to to see
1: and but uh, but in his example in his example there's no you know you're going to have an hr department in an airplane company uh, and an HR department in a, a mobile phone company that those people aren't going to like share the duties, you know, they're too right, right. different. Sure. Now, an interesting example of a tightly integrated system that I think is genius is Marcus Limonis' work on the profit. We watch the profit show. So he basically goes in, if you're not familiar, he invests in partnering with small businesses. And the show is interesting because he salvages these disastrous businesses that are just, just literally horrible. He does people, process, and product, figures it out, helps them be successful. But And so that's sort of the, the entry-level one-show story. But then if you watch all of the episodes, what you realize he's doing, which is genius, is he'll hire like a T-shirt or he'll, he'll invest in like a T-shirt company. Well, then all his other businesses use that T-shirt company for their T-shirts. Then he'll invest yeah. in like a sign company. All yeah. his other businesses use that business for their sign work. And yeah. he, d- he just, after you know, company after company, you know, fashion and, like, all this stuff. He's really built, built this whole system of, like, these yeah. interlocking companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after I realized he was doing that, I was like, dude, this guy's genius. I mean, yeah. that, to me, is a model yeah. that makes a ton of sense. For sure. Where you're bringing every business you start brings assets to the party from yeah. your existing ecosystem and your ecosystem is what you're growing now if yeah. you can pull that off that's cool that is in cool. your situation art journals and skateboard bearings are totally not different not
0: ecosystems right. yeah yeah they're they're much yeah. much uh, yeah. further apart no yeah. i think that that's that's really that's really smart I just imagine him sitting there like hey what do we need in our business yeah week um oh we need exactly. a sign okay let's go buy a sign company let's get let's find some on the show uh, no that's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty cool
1: exactly right so if we can be as smart as marcus Lamonis and and uh, think through like that then then hey trying yeah. out a new thing but but i would also say even in that situation you you, you probably want to be locked down on your core yes. business and his yes. is camping world retail camping stores Yep. He he had that on full lockdown. He was multimillionaire, billionaire before he you know started doing these other shenanigans. Right. And I yeah. think a lot of us were like, wow, I'm making I'm making a hundred dollars a day. I'm gonna start another different business. And it's like, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Get to, to selling millions. Right. And then start your other thing. And, well, and, uh, and so it's anyway.
0: interesting, it's interesting too from an e-commerce perspective because you know, you may not be thinking about starting another business, maybe you're starting, like, I'm going to launch a brand new product, maybe in a niche that I don't know. And yeah. it's the same principle. You know, it's like 80-20, uh, it's still yeah. 80% of your revenue is still going to come from 20% of yeah. your product mix. And so how do you maximize those particular products or that particular customer, as yeah. opposed to just creating it? Because the odds are, you're going to launch this other $100 a day product, but it's not going to do 100 bucks a day. Right. Because you might be getting one that's be like, this is the winner. I'm crushing it with this one. And you go to launch the next one. You're like, this yeah. kind of stunk. Yeah. And then you launch the next one. And you're like, "Oh, This one's not that great either. You're like, what? Yeah. I thought I was a genius and I just hit all these awesome products. But the reality is you got to keep uh, up. There needs to be a structure in place and you need to be launching and getting rid of products that aren't really optimized and not making you money. Yeah.
1: Well, and the other piece of that, and I'll speak as an example of this. Yeah, I guess we have a lot to talk about as it relates to refusing I, ideas. I know, right? Um, but here's an example. Um, I like to write. I love writing Kindle books. I wrote three books with McGraw-Hill, and then I've done a bunch of self-publishing books. My last book that I tried to publish didn't do well at all. But I have a book that I wrote in 2012 that's been in, in the top, I'd say, top 30 um, range in, in the web marketing category on Amazon since 2012. I revised it in 2015, and so this newest book that I tried to work on just was a complete dud, and I learned my lessons from that, but then my other one that I wrote, which is, I'll just mention, is craft Business Power. It just sits there and sells, and then I'm thinking to myself, if I'm prioritizing my projects, why in the world would I pick a new book to work on when I could just go revise and improve? The one that's just sitting there in the top, you know, 20, 30, 40 on any given day. Why, you know, why wouldn't I just prioritize that and and invest in the best possible version right. of that thing that I know is working? And so to me, this is how I'm sort of interpreting this. And it was as a I just been personally reflecting on that. Like, okay, look, I don't I don't need to go write a new book. Why don't I go rewrite my best selling book? You know? And uh, that's simpler when it's self-published than it is with the traditional publisher. But anyway, I, this is how I sort of interpret this as it relates to the product level activity. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's certainly one way to look at it is can you make your product insanely good and keep iterating. And of course, Apple's a perfect example of that. You ship a product, you get some traction, you get some sex, success, you prove the, the efficacy of the product to customers. And then you come out with 18 months later, here's, you know, the next iteration. Yep. And, you know, that iPhone 4 turns into iPhone 5 turns into, you know, mm-hmm. iPhone 10. And so that model, I think, is really smart when you're talking about e-commerce work compared to starting randomness. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, we I think we've beaten this to death, but any other final comments on I, I
0: think, I think the reason why we keep talking about it is because we have experienced <laughs> it, the, the personal pain and suffering that we put <laughs> ourselves through by making these mistakes. We're trying to help uh, everyone exactly. sort of avoid them. But exactly. um, yeah, I, yeah I, I could talk about it for a long time because it, it is liberating. And you may not think of it in these terms, but it truly is. It's liberating to uh, put the, the guide rails on and just be focused and clear about your direction. You, yeah. you would be shocked at the level Absolutely. of distraction mentally that goes on uh, subconsciously, consciously that you, when you start to put those guide rails on uh, you just get freed up and you start getting clarity about your current products and your current business. So put the guide rails on, refuse those new ideas, eliminate the distractions and then use that newfound focus energy to, incrementally and systematically test new uh, marketing methods. And you are going to be making some rain as a rainmaker.
1: Absolutely. You're going to be locking down your habits as the e-commerce rainmaker. Dude, this is fantastic. This is a really good talk. So we we let, skipped last week, but we made up for it with sort of a double yeah. shockwave of yes. awesome stuff for this one. I think this is really, Absolutely. really good stuff. Yeah, it was so. fun. Good stuff. All right, my man. Well, let's stop it here and then we will do the final three habits uh, next week and then we'll wrap it all up. And I think we're going to have these all cut up by then and put into a big Udemy course soon. And then we'll probably have them out on YouTube and other places as well. So 32 Habits of E-Commerce Rainmakers will be a a thing for the long term. So it's been a fun time. Yeah. All right, my man. All right. Talk to you soon. Later